Welcome to Northern Gold, a football podcast from the Evening Express and Pressing Journal. I'm Ryan Crowell and today I'm joined by Andy Skinner and Paul Chalk again, feels like you're never off, and Jamie Durant making his long-awaited return to the pod. How are we guys? Oh good, thanks Ryan. Oh, good, thank you. Yep. Okay, so this week we have, I mean, a few sore results to discuss for uh, pretty much all of our teams. Um, one managed to get a win over the weekend. I think that was uh, less than we maybe prophesied would happen. We'll, of course, discuss Aberdeen's very disappointing 3-2 loss at Pataudry against Motherwell. We'll touch on Ross County not kick-starting their season against St Mirren. Inverness obviously won 4-1 at the weekend, but that was at the expense of one of our other sides, Cove Rangers, so we'll need to delve into that. I'm sure Jamie, who was there, will be able to tell us all about both sides of that story. Peter Head, they're coming off a loss to Falkirk in League One ahead of Queen of the South next up this weekend and Elgin they managed to get a point on the board at the weekend I think their second point of the campaign with Stranraer next so maybe not too bad a weekend for Elgin but yes let's start with the Dons Andy I was there as a punter you were there working working a working man Uh, I thought the Dons right from the start they seemed very weirdly nervous I don't know why they would have been so nervous but there were passes flying you know right across the pitch and out of play Uh, by the end of the game it was quite evident that almost every player who started the game for the Dons at least was having an off day I've put a stinker on the plan but an off day Um, is that to be expected given that a lot of them are new signings what do you think went wrong I certainly hope it just goes down to an off day, but um, I mean, I completely agree with you. I think it was the very first passage of play. Um, there was a pass that went towards Scales. I can't remember who actually made the pass, but went just straight out of play, right beside the, the dugouts. And, you know, from that moment, that kind of just set the tone for what followed um, throughout the whole game. I mean, it, it, it became a common theme in the opening 20 minutes, and I was hoping that maybe that was just going to be a you know a, a, a nervy start from from the dons because um, Ramadani who you know we'd been singing the praises of all week seemed to be particularly cumbersome in possession um it was my first time seeing him in the flesh so that was kind of disappointing to me but um yeah I mean the more the first half went on obviously the the, the little uh, side to that is that Aberdeen actually had the best early chance through Mayovsky being put through, gifted a, a chance, running through on goal, and he managed to, to balloon that one over the bar. So, um, you know, if he'd scored there, then it might have settled things down a bit. Uh, the fact was Motherwell did score, and they deserved to at the time. You know, the Dons got their get-out-of-jail card, and they, they looked to have given themselves the perfect platform to to go and, you know, cruise the second half by going ahead so early. But... Um, I think Motherwell just sensed that there were mistakes in the Dons team and, uh, you know, increasingly as it went on, they fed off that and, and made it a horrible afternoon for Jim Goodwin and his side. I think um, the thing that maybe frustrated me the most was that every single one of Motherwell's goals from an Aberdeen perspective was kind of like comedy capers, whereas Aberdeen, to, they went 1-0 down, obviously, there was there was about 25 ricochets in the build-up to that Motherwell goal, but then the Dons equaliser... It was obviously a brilliant ball from Liam Scales on the left. He was at left back from the start of the game. He'd 
maybe not done as he would have hoped um, and shutting down the cross for the Motherwell opener but then he, he puts in a brilliant ball and it's a fantastic header from Mayovsky which was to me was like probably that Mayovsky header was probably one of two positives I could take from the game and Shaden Morris getting his debut and looking reasonably lively at times being the other one but yeah like the back line I think that's that's the worst Anthony Stewart's played so far the new captain I thought he was made a few sort of little unforced errors in possession um I was getting very nervous when he was like repeatedly stepping by Motherwell players as they were try- trying to press him. I thought that was like, on a day like this, why are you taking those risks? As you said, Ramadani, yeah, quite untidy with the ball. But yeah, ac- across the board, there were very few people you could probably give pass marks to. One of the things I wanted to ask you about was Jack McKenzie came on at left back later in the game. Now, if he was fit enough to come on later in the game, maybe there's an argument that if needs must, he could have started the game and that would have allowed Liam Scales to play in his favoured left centre-back position and allowed Ross McCrory to be back in his favoured position of central midfield. I presume that's what we expect to see from the start against St Johnston because it's obviously been a big talking point, this whole rejigging the team uh, on the left side of the def- Well, because of the left side defence, there, there are gaps there for games. Yeah, yeah, and you know, fundamentally, it is one injury to Hayden Coulson that has prompted you know the full reshuffle. Um, obviously, the, the circumstances were different on the opening day against Celtic because it was Scales who was unavailable to play against his parent club, and and that's clearly a situation that's going to be revisited, you know, on on an ongoing basis when Aberdeen play Celtic. But um, you know, when it comes to to having everyone available, um, bar one player. Um, you know, it did seem a bit surprising that, um, you know, Scales um, and Stewart as a partnership wasn't wasn't you know the, the what what was started with because you know for a long time it seemed like that's what yeah. prioritised yeah because um, you know for a long time it's it seemed like Jim Goodwin's been intent on on really allowing that that partnership to blossom. Um, I suppose the one counter to that would be just how well um, Ramadani and um, Clarkson had done in the St Mirren game together. Maybe there was an emphasis on on ensuring that you know the two of them remained a, a partnership in midfield, and as a result, you know Ross McCrory, um, you know, was perhaps sacrificed from that that midfield position in order to make way for it. But um, I, I suppose it's maybe. You know, as you alluded to in the first point, um, little signs that, you know, just with the sheer number of changes that have been made, Jim Goodwin is still, you know, learning bits and pieces about how he's going to not just set out the team, but also adapt to um, changes that, that are forced upon him. And there was more injury disruption during the, the game as well with, um, you know, Matty Kennedy going off quite early and obviously Clarkson came off in the second half as well. So, um, you know, it's not been plain sailing from, from a personnel point of view but um, I, I would imagine in the weeks to come we'll get a, a little bit more consistency um, and it, it wouldn't surprise me to to see Stewart and, and Scales kind of take command of those centre half positions because I, I think that's what we all expected um, perhaps it was just um, you know an added reshuffle that, that Jim Goodwin thought was, was necessary for, for this game but a reshuffle too far, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, Andy made the point there as as well, obviously, about the number of changes that have been made. And while things have kind of clicked in, in certain games, like I would say, obviously, the, the Wraith Rovers game in the Cup and then obviously the... Uh, the Saint Saint Mirren game the week, the week before, um, you're not you're still not going to get a fluidity of a team that's played together for for a long time. Um, it's not as if Jim Goodwin's made only two or three signings, which could fairly would it would be easier to integrate them in the squad. He's he's essentially brought in an entirely new starting eleven, um, and I mean most of them are starting as well. So it's going to take time to generate an understanding, and when you don't get when you haven't got that, like in front of goal, that's manifested by teams missing chances and not creating them. And in defence, it's manifested in teams conceding goals. And you've kind of seen a little bit of a little bit of both so far. Um, and so it's too early to make any kind of judgments or anything like that. But it's something that's going to be, it's going to need time to and kind of work to on the training ground to kind of iron itself out. Yeah, I just think on that the the best the best approach for Jim Goodwin for me is to as much as possible as Andy said have scales and uh, Stuart together in central defence have McCrory in midfield with Ramadani because I, even McCrory I mean I, I felt in in central defence he looked shaky and then even when he got moved into central midfield in the second half I thought he was worse than he would normally be in central midfield by virtue of the fact he played most of the game at centre half and he was then having to Adapt, but yes, as I said, uh, Miofsky, his goal impressive. Hopefully, he can keep it up because you know he he is looking at this point like he's going to score a hatload of goals for the Dons this season. And we should find out later today what the prognosis is on what Matt Kennedy and Clarkson because I don't think Clarkson's injury looked particularly good when he went off. It was following a it was following a shot, wasn't it, Andy? Yeah. I think he, he had he had a, a strike at goal similar to the one he maybe had against St Mirren, but. Afterwards, it looked like he was holding his hamstring. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if he's he's hopefully he's just pulled something quite minimally there, as opposed to anything more serious. But yes, let's move on and hope the Dons can put that blip, if it is a blip, behind them against the Johnston this weekend, and we'll discuss Ross County next. Right, chalky in a, in a change of a for our usual running order, I suppose you were at Ross County game this weekend against St Mirren this was the one following two really difficult opening clashes against Celtic and Hearts two teams that were in the top three last season this was the one we were kind of expecting having seen St Mirren play really badly with 10 men against Aberdeen at Pataudry the week before we all thought this was um, impressive Ross County's a chance to kick start their season it didn't happen I mean similar to Aberdeen was it just the case that the inconsistency you might expect from a rebuilt Ross County over the summer just came in the in the wrong game against the team that you know we were all expecting them to get three points against. Okay, the Ross County manager last week spoke about St Mirren in the, in the build up. He he actually discounted the the performance of St Mirren at Petardry because they were down to ten men for most of that match. Um, with uh, Gallagher being sent off, so um, he was treating with St Mirren with caution. But you're right that I think. If Ross County want to finish where, um, you know, try and replicate their top six achievements of last year, they really uh, would target matches against St Mirren, who, um, you know, uh, are a, a team that uh, you would expect to be in the, the lower half of the table. Um, and I, th- 
I think the sheer turnover of players, 10 new faces, again, has to um, be taken into account. This is still a team gelling. Still a, a team, although they fired in the, the Premier Sports Cup, you know, especially against East Fife, you know, where it all kind of clicked. Um, that Malky's still working out a, a few options and a few um, ways to go against certain uh, opponents. Um, you, you know, they did create chances, but the thing that surprised me is how slow they started, and it, it was something that Malky spoke about, you know, it was. Like most of Scotland at the weekend, the, the heat was searing down down there, and the referee had a couple of water breaks, and it was quite punishing. But Saint, it didn't seem to stop St Mirren. They came right out of the traps, and from the they were on the front foot from the start, and were asking big questions. So it was really disappointing from a Ross County point of view that it, it took them into the second half when uh, Malky introduced some changes uh, to at half time as well with uh, George Harmon coming on left back and uh, Jordan White pitched into the action as as well in the second half uh, it's only then you started to see them ask some questions of St Mirren but um, yeah hugely disappointing one all round and it's now back to Dingwall for Kilmarnock this weekend Maybe maybe it's because they've made so many signings from the ice cold Canadian tundra over the summer that they were unable to handle the heat of Paisley uh. I have been to Calgary. I know it's hotter than Paisley in the summer. Yeah, but as you said, Paul, I think the thing that surprised me having seen County the first two weeks was Malky McKay saying they need to be braver on the ball. And that's that's something the last two seasons, if there's one thing Ross County haven't been shy at, it's you know putting in sort of dynamic attacking performances. It's maybe been, you know, they've maybe lost points due to defending and things like that but yeah I mean that was surprising to me yeah and, and you know there were flashes from them um, Edwards keep, keeps impressing me as well um, and uh, from the, the bench in the, the second half uh, Olegby came on and he tested uh, the keeper so you know what Malky was disappointed about when he's asking players to be braver is um, you know there was an opportunity um, for Callum Johnson the full back to get forward in, in, uh, in the absence of Conor Randall and he was whipping in some great crosses so he was doing his job but uh, you know no one getting on the end of it really to test St Mirren um, so he was seeing parts of it come together but but not enough and you know they were a fraction away from from getting a, a one one draw, which they you know would have got got them off the mark. And um, you know a few games in, they're sitting bottom of the, the table with no points. But uh, you know they, they went ten without a win last year. I would expect the win to arrive far sooner than that, and they'll be up and running before long. Well, that's my next question. Yeah, I mean Kelly at home, much like the Dons with St Johnson this weekend, uh, the, the fixtures have been kind in the sense that another game comes straight after where they can. You know, it's it's feasible and it's probable that they'll they could make amends in this one. Kelly, it looks winnable. Um, do you expect them to do so? I imagine they'll face a physical test. Yeah, and, kind of how side. will Kilmarnock respond to the the thumping they, they took against Celtic at the weekend? You know, Ross County at least against Celtic did uh, remain in that match until till deep into it. So uh, there's that element as well. But um, you know, as ever. 
Dermot McInnes will have his team uh, well organised and, and fired up to, to come up to Dingwall and, and, and prove a point. You know, that, that uh, they're better than they showed last week. County in the, the same side, you know, they, they just need to get off and, and running and then, and then kick on from that and show some form of consistency. You know, they've got the, the Celtic game coming up at, at the end of the month as well, which is another massive one in, in the cup for them. So, but... Um, yeah, it's it's one of these ones. It's although it's quite early in the season. Once you start getting to match day four, five, six, then you you know you are thinking right. We we really need to be banking some points. And you know Dingwall was a very um, strong base for County last year, and they should be targeting this as one, especially in the back of last week's disappointment to get three points. Just going to say, um, you know, obviously there are parallels that are being made to the way they started last season, but you know they they don't want to be using that as a reference point uh, for too much longer because that just you know immediately piles more pressure on them because um, it was an awful an awfully big turnaround you know that they they had to stage in order to get into the top six in the way they did um, you know what they're really looking to do is try and showcase that they've you know progressed during the course of last season and they can take that into into this year so I think yeah just going off the back of what Chalky said there. Um, you know they really need to get that result sooner rather than later, um, because you know they they don't want to be pointing to the fact that because we did it last season we can do it again this year. Uh, it's it's certainly not the way that they would have envisaged uh, starting this uh, this season. Across the Highlands, Inverness took on Cove on Saturday, um, in the build up to that one last week's pod, I said I expected this one to be tight much like their League Cup affair was, so I was wrong in that. But I did say also as well, I I will um, I will make clear that Inverness, if they were hoping to be championship um, title contenders, and of course they are, given what happened last season, they probably needed to, three games in, start getting wins on the board. They managed to do that. They won 4-1 in the end. Jamie, was it, um, was it men against boys? I don't know if I'd use that uh, that whole cliche, but there was a clear. Was it was it older people against younger people? <laughs> well, Cove have probably got the more experienced squad out of the two, <laughs> so I don't think you could even use that one. Um, but there was a clear there was a clear kind of gap in in quality there um, at both ends at both ends of the park. I mean, Jim McIntyre said afterwards that Cove struggled to live with the pace of the Cali Thistle kind of front four and. I think they've got options there that should mean that they will cause problems to most teams in that league. Um, obviously, Austin Samuels got the headlines with his two goals, um, but it, he made a number of kind of really clever runs, and he's he needs to use his pace kind of better, according to to Billy Dodds. Um, but the two goals that he got, he took really well. One of them was a direct run in behind and he's been found with a great ball through from Aaron Doran and then the second one's just a poacher's finish from inside the six-yard box. But as as well as him, you've got you've got Daniel Mackay out wide who he seems to be kind of back in a place where he knows he's loved and in kind of the know how to get the best out of him. Um, and he's a very dynamic player. You, they shifted Aaron Doran into a more central role and while he's not got the kind of the pace that he maybe once had his ability on the ball hasn't diminished so he's he's maybe got a little bit more time than he uh, than he used to um and then you've got Billy Mackay who you put him you put the ball in the box inevitably he'll find the target and to still fit into that you've got um you've got Nathan Shaw who came off the bench and scored his first goal for the club you've got George Oakley who's back at the club um for a second spell Roddy McGregor played deeper but can play further forward if 
if required. So there's there's really good options there um, for Inverness, and that was really really impressive. Um, as far as Cove, as far as kind of Cove went, they didn't really kind of show up in that first half. I mean, they went they went to a back three, and Jim McIntyre admitted afterwards that he got that wrong and he changed it. But by then they were already kind of playing a huge game of catch up. Um, and after Robbie Leach equalised, they did look a little bit better. And Ian Vigers came on at halftime and gave them a measure of control in the midfield. But there were still kind of question marks at the back that they were kind of picked open um, by Inverness. Um, and it is a kind of a... I don't know if I'd go as far as saying it's a statement win for Inverness um, because it's still so early in the season. But it's the kind of performance I think that they'll be looking for on a more consistent basis that should underline their credentials as, as promotion contenders. Chalky, you've written quite a lot about Robbie Dees in recent times. Robbie Dees played left-back, I think, quite a lot for Cali Thistle last season. He's now moved into centre-half, and I think you expect him to partner Danny Devine there. I think he's a player in demand, though. He's a player that clubs have bid for before, and they're still... Uh, couple of weeks of the transfer window, a couple of weeks-ish of the transfer window left. Billy Dodds has talked about how he really wants to hold on to the squad he's assembled. Robbie Dees will be right up there on that list. How how good do we think Robbie Dees is? Yeah, I was speaking to Ross Tokley this week and he, he pinpointed uh, Robbie Dees as um, the main man that Calithis will have to keep during this transfer window. Um, St Johnson's uh, reported bid was around 150,000 at the start of the year that was knocked back by the Calithis board. Um, because for the reason is they, they felt he was That's crucial. more than the Dons played for Yilber Ramadani, by the way. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> so it was uh, that's a, a value that Cali Thistle we just were not willing to entertain uh, because they they felt Robbie last season was so vital to their, their championship push. Uh, the same applies this season. The good news for Cali Thistle fans, from what Billy Dodge was saying last week, is there hasn't been any bids for for Robbie or any of his players at, at this stage. But as we know, it's uh, the second half of August where the the transfer window uh, really kind of kicks in the bids will come in and it, it's really going to be a, a test for the Inverness board should it happen uh, for them to, to hang on to him because um, you know having that pairing or the experience of Divine I mean alongside Dees you know, Divine I think is 28-29 Dees is only 22 but he, he he plays with a lot more authority than his age suggests, you know. So I think that would be a really strong pairing in the the championship, and then they have you know a lot of options along the back. You know, David Carson was out last week, but he should hopefully be back this weekend. Right back, you've got Wallace Duffy. You you know there are options right along on, on the back line that um, Billy Dodds will be happy about. But I think keeping Robbie Dees is central to the, their bid this season. Jimmy Cove have made. Additions they made two um, in the build-up to the game at Inverness. Uh, Kieran Dunn, they've brought in Char- Charlie Gilmore, who has come from St Johnston. Any initial thoughts on those two? Did they did they feature? Uh, well, Charlie Gilmore only came in on um, kind of Wednesday or sorry Tuesday this week. So um, did he? I thought they made two on Saturday. <laughs> got, off, got off my head. Um, not the other one. The, the one that kind of came in just before the Morton game the week before was Louis Longstaff. Um, and Kieran Dunn was um, he'd signed on the Thursday but his international clearance only came through very late on the Friday night uh, so he was cleared to play and then Charlie Gilmore came in this week um, 
I've not seen too much of Gilmore. I think there's there's maybe the odd game. I think I was at last season when Alloa were playing Peterhead and Cove, where he was he was there. Um, but I spoke to him on Wednesday, and he was. I think he'd probably he'd been a little bit um, frustrated with how things had gone at St Johnston because he's he came in and played initially on a short term deal and then signed a two year contract, but hasn't really featured for the for the kind of the first team. So he had that loan at Alloa, but he's kind of just desperate to kind of go out and play somewhere. Um, and this is somebody who's got a pedigree of kind of being at Al- uh, Arsenal for um, kind of 14 years, ever since he was six years old. So he's got a good pedigree. He's played with some really good players. Um, it's just about him now finding a home for himself and the the level that he, he thinks he can play at. Um, in terms of Kieran Dunn, I was really impressed when I spoke to him on Monday. He's a very kind of down-to-earth, uh, engaging guy. Um, he's another one that's not played as much football as he would have liked Um he broke through as a teenager at Falkirk, was given his chance by Paul Hartley when he was in charge there. Um, and he'd done enough by the age of 18 to attract the interest of Sunderland. Um, but when he went down there, he's only kind of, he was only kind of used in the like the under-21s squad um, at Sunderland. He made, he made the, the odd bench in the Cups, but he'd never featured for the first team. So for him, it's, it's a case of needing game time and... Jim McIntyre had been keen to add wide players, and he's done that with with Louis Longstaff, who was obviously a bit Queens Park last season, um, and Kieran Dunn, who he played he played left wing back and left back on um, Saturday against Inverness out of necessity because Evan Towler was out ill. Um, but he sees himself as a someone who should be playing further forward, and I think Jim McIntyre does as well because he's a he's a very strong left footed player. Um, he's got good dribbling ability and good pace. Um, so you'd think he could be a factor for them going forward. I still think they need one or two more. I think they need another. I think they need another option at fullback because um, they've still only got really well. They've got Evan Towler, who's let's say he's still only what seventeen, eighteen, um, and then Shea Logan at right back. They have got players that can cover there, but I'd still say they need another, another one, and then maybe another striking option because um, at the minute Mitch Megginson's playing through the middle by himself and I know they brought in um, Jerry McDonough in pre-season but after the the League Cup games he's not really featured in the in the starting eleven. so I'd say they probably do need a couple more signings to to really kind of flesh it out and I mean the only player they're missing at the minute through injury is Blair Yule who will be a, will be a big miss um, just because of how consistent he is and kind of he was pretty much an ever-present over the last three years since the since Cove got promoted to the SPFL. So I think once, if there's a couple more bodies in and once Blair Yule comes back, I think you'll start to maybe see a little bit more of what Cove want to be this season. Looks a challenging one this weekend against Ayr. Ayr currently unbeaten Inverness at Park tomorrow evening, Friday night game, but I suppose for them it's just a case of, well, it's pretty obvious, continuing to win. Right, let's move on, though... Next up, we'll discuss Peterhead and Elgin's recent fortunes. Right, Peterhead, 3-1 loss at Falkirk at the weekend, following their first point the week before. Um, it's been a... It's still been a pretty slow start for Peterhead. I think they got a man sent off at the weekend against the Bairns. They got Queen of the South um, at Balmer next, despite you know being a, a team you would sort of view as a championship team Queen of the South have had a slow start in League One this season just like Peterhead how do you expect this one to go Jamie? 
Well, I spoke to Jim McAnally not long before we came on here, um, and it's the third full-time opponent in four games for Peterhead, and particularly with a team that's been struggling for form, for confidence, and for players, um, it's probably not the start to the season you would have wanted. Um, and it might take a little bit. Get them out of the way. <laughs> well, I think they, they do. I think they do hope that this kind of uh, this kind of run of bad luck or kind of poor form, whatever you call it, does get out the road early. Um, there are little kind of little green shoots of recovery. I think, and that the squad is starting to look a little bit healthier now. Um, over the last couple of weeks, they've got Ryan Strachan back involved after say his kind of slow build up to fitness. They've added four. I think it's four off the top of my head. New players. The couple. Couple of young lads that came in from Dundee, Jack Wilkie and Ewan Murray. Um, they were kind of thrown straight into the squad last weekend. They got Max Gillies from Queens Park, um, who's had an impressive start to his to his time at Balmoor, and Robbie Scullion, who kind of came in and played a couple of games as a trialist before signing permanently. So the squad's starting to look a little bit a little bit stronger now, um, and I think they just need they kind of need some consistency in in team selection. Um, they're still missing some big players. You can't forget that um, Andy McCarthy is a huge player for them, and he's not back yet. And obviously Hamish Ritchie is going to be missing for the season. So there's two massive players that were big parts of what Peterhead have done over the last eighteen months, two years. Um, and Jim McAnally hasn't got them available. So it'll be interesting to to see what kind of team um, kind of goes out there this weekend against against Queens. Um, they, I think they expect to have Jason Brown back involved after his head knock a couple of weeks ago. So you'd like to think a corner could start to be turned there soon. I think there were, there were probably promising signs against Clyde, but they were disappointed they didn't win the game against 10 men. Um, so I think with, with hopefully with a stable lineup and a stronger pool of players for Jim McAnally to choose from, hopefully, um, hopefully it's the start of what can be a promising run for Peter because it's fair to say they've they've had their share of um, misfortune in the in the early knockings of this season. Elgin the week before kind of mirrored Peterhead in the sense that or I echoed them at least in the sense that both games that the, our clubs are involved in ended two two. I think in Peterhead's case they were two 0 down. In Elgin's case they were two 0 up. Um, last weekend Elgin drew. 2-2 again, uh, this time with Forfer, like Peterhead at the weekend, got a man sent off. Um, they've got home clash with Stranraer next, but when I look at the League T table, three games in, are we now? I still see Elgin like I saw them last season, sitting right down there at the bottom. I know it's early, I know no one's looking at the table yet, but somebody talked me around that I shouldn't be getting these negative, bad vibes from Elgin at this point. Well, I've just spoken to Matthew Cooper, the, the captain at Elgin, um, and uh, this comes, of course, just uh, I'm speaking to you the day after they've been knocked out of the North of Scotland Cup as well by Rothis. So um, what that actually might do in a strange way is get this group together because uh, the manager, Gavin Price, let them know in no uncertain terms that any dip in performance to that kind of level is unacceptable at Elgin. Um, they've taken draws from Forfar and, and Stirling away. You know they finished the the Forfar game with, with nine men as well. With, um, uh, Brian Cameron and uh, Angus Mailer sent off. Both those guys are missing for for this game against Stranraer at the weekend. Stranraer, a team who performed very well against Elgin last season, um, taking ten points out of twelve, um, and 
I think they were a fraction away from beating Bonnie Rig Rose at the weekend as well. But um, from Matthew Cooper's point of view, he said the standards have been set in glimpses from Elgin, but they need to be putting together a 90-minute performance. And, um, you know, they, they are angry about the way they've they've started the season only having those solitary points from, from the draws. It's coming back to Borough Briggs now against a, an opponent against like you know, such as Stranraer who if if they win, you know, they Elgin are gonna be climbing that table up, you know, and uh, looking to catch the, the likes of Stranraer. So it is early days but um it's like like we were speaking about, you know, the likes of Ross County that you can only talk for so long it really is a matter of getting out there and, and putting on the performances yeah, one point I should say is that uh, Lewis Nicholson the young de- defender that came in from Cali Thistle on loan to Elkin he was spared from any um, any uh, criticism from manager Gavin Price in, in midweek because he performed very well and in fact Matthew Cooper said he'll be a real asset to the club right through to January. So Gavin Price and Elgin have got options all over the park. If there are any bad performance, they probably won't be playing in the next match. He's got competition uh, throughout the squad and we really should be seeing Elgin, Elgin kick on, hopefully, starting this weekend. Just to say quickly, what encourages me um, to an extent is to see Kane Hester start the season well. Um, you know, I think they have had a few cup games, but um, it's four goals he's already scored in his opening eight, I think. So, you know, he had a bit of injury disruption last season um, at this point in the campaign. And I think, you know, when he's on the park and fully firing, then there's no doubt in, in my mind that he'll he'll get them points. Um, it's just a, a matter of, you know, keeping him in that kind of groove, uh, you know, over a, a sustained period. But the way that he started the season um, lends me to think that, you know the the results will will start coming before too long. Okay, so the form book so far this season su- suggests uh, you'd be better to err on the side of conservative conservatism when it comes to how many wins we'll get from our teams this weekend. I'm going to say three, though. I think the Dons will win. I think Ross County will get their first win. I think Inverness will win. I'm not sure about the other three. Anyone Anyone got anything higher or lower than three? Well, I'm covering uh, Cali Thistle at Partick Thistle. I think that's got draw written all, all over it. The two well-matched teams that, uh, you know, last season couldn't be split apart from the, the playoffs. Um, I agree, Aberdeen, there's the, the need for the victory. That will drive them on against, a, a, let's be honest, a, a poor St. Johnson team. And uh, Yeah, I think uh, the same with Ross County. Those are the th- my, those are the ones that I'm going for. Chalky's uh, remarks will be going down well there with a the fork on the courier. <laughs> um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shake it up a little bit, and I'm gonna say, I'm not gonna predict how many teams will win, but I'm gonna say that none of our teams will lose this weekend. I don't know that's bold or stupid. Probably that's not the first time <laughs> I've been accused of being stupid, but um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say out of the six teams, I think we I think I don't think any of them will get beat this weekend. That would be an incredible uh, show. Um, I'm going to say two wins. Two wins. Just based on Better previous week's performances. Better, yeah. 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 Well, no one. I don't think anyone's gone low enough yet. So hopefully this is the week it all turns around. But yes, that concludes this week's episode of Northern Goal. Thanks to Paul, Andy, and Thanks, Jamie Ryan. for joining me today. Cheers, guys. Not a problem. Thanks, Ryan. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, as always, like and subscribe on your favourite podcast app, email any questions or queries to northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk and finally enjoy football, whichever games you're watching this weekend. Hope you loved the episode, and if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.